The Holy See is filling bishop vacancies around the country, and a couple of them were just named with ties to the Bay Area. A special rosary is being prayed for the healing and comfort for those impacted by the COVID virus and the need for the Holy Spirit in our lives during this time. These topics and more coming up next. Welcome to A View from the Top with Bishop Gregory Parks, Bishop of the Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is a candid and hopeful conversation on current events that affect our church, our community, and our country. Now, here's Bishop Parks and the General Manager of Spirit FM, John Morris. Well, Bishop, it's been about a month since you and I came together to uh, record. I was out on quarantine, actually, but a lot of big news especially with the Parks family. <laughs> yes, there sure was, John, but first, welcome back. And Thank I hope, you. hope you're doing well. I am. Uh, yeah, it was a, was a great news to hear that uh, Pope Francis had appointed my little brother, Father Stephen, who's a priest in Orlando, appointed him the new bishop of Savannah, Georgia. I didn't know anything about it, but when I heard the news, of course, it was a, a source of great joy to me and, and for our family as well. Now, being brothers, I just know how I am with my brother. Did he give you a tip before the announcement at 6 a.m.? Actually, uh, I, I knew about it, but uh, not because my brother told me. Actually, the day that my brother found out from the nuncio that he had been appointed Bishop of Savannah, that same day the nuncio called me. So oh, I really? Think, I think he spoke with my brother and then almost immediately <laughs> called me and said, <laughs> he said, well, you're, you're his brother, so you need to know as well. Of course, my brother Stephen didn't know that the nuncio was going to call me. It was a test. It was a test. So, uh, But I ended up uh, texting him and just saying it's great news and I, I think he was relieved that I knew sure. because then we could talk about it and of course he had a lot of questions. Right. Well, let me let's backtrack. Even before he was named bishop, he had some ties to the Bay Area. I mean, he went to University of South Florida. He did. He uh, attended USF and, and graduated with a degree in marketing. He was also part of the Catholic Student Center there. Okay. Uh, and we used to go to Mass on occasion there together on Sundays. But also he took a, a job here in the Tampa Bay area working in the retail industry for a number of years before moving back to Orlando which is ultimately where he entered the seminary to study to be a priest of the Diocese of Orlando. Now, I'm, I'm going back, so I may be off on this, but a lot of the people that you, when you were growing up thought that you would be the priest and, and not Stephen, but he went into the seminary first. Is that right? He did. It's uh, kind of interesting. He's my younger brother by one year, age-wise, but uh, he's my older brother in the priesthood. So he was uh, ordained a year before I was because he entered seminary a year before I, I did. And John, I think I mentioned this before, but when I was discerning my own vocation, I, I looked at my brother and said, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. So <laughs> <laughs> You have a chance to talk with him. And uh, do, do you give him any advice? Did he, did he say, what kind of advice can you give me? Yeah, the first thing uh, we talked about was, of course, the announcement of it, which would happen several days after he was informed. Uh, he was going to go up to Savannah for a press conference, and it would be announced there. And uh, so we had some questions about that, what to say, and uh, what kind of questions he might receive at the uh, at the press conference. He did a did a great job, by the way. I was able to watch it; it was live streamed, so that was yep. a a great blessing. But then we talked about some practical things, but. 
I think most notably, I, I just shared with my brother that, you know, because of this, because of the, the faith and the trust that the Holy Father has placed in you, you know, and he acting as the vicar of Christ, we believe this is God's will for you. So God will help you to, to be a good bishop, to be a faithful bishop, and that really his life is going to change as, as he's known it. So do you think back in Rome when they're looking at the potential candidates, they developed that little list as we spoke on in a previous program? Yeah, but he's got a brother. Is that going to be a factor? Obviously, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And I can say with all honesty, John, I didn't know that his name was being considered as a, as a candidate for the episcopacy to be a bishop. I am in other cases, of course, I'm asked to give input or, or comments on possible candidates uh, to be bishops. But obviously, since we're brothers, <laughs> uh, they, they didn't ask me. Now, having said that, I would also share that I've known my brother to be a, just a wonderful priest and pastor. So I thought it might be a possibility possibility for him, but really had no indication that it was about to happen. Both of your parents are deceased. What do you think is going on in heaven? (laughs) Well, I think a lot of joy and celebration. I've always felt that my mom and dad and, and now my brother, my older brother, are you know, have helped um, me to be a good priest and hopefully a good bishop. And, and my brother and I talked about that, and and I, I kind of assured him that they would do the same for him as well. So, but I think, uh, well, I think I know that our parents are very proud of us. Sure, absolutely. As are many parishioners, as we saw in the comments on Facebook and Instagram and both on your account and his. John, I, I would say I'm, I'm on social media quite a bit. I think this was my most popular post ever wow. was that morning when the announcement was made and I was able to post that my brother had been named Bishop of Savannah. So yeah. it's a great blessing to be not only brothers, but now brother bishops as well. Now, we're in this whole pandemic. Will you be able to make the trip? Yeah, I'm certainly hoping to. Um, one of the first things I did after he was named was find out a little bit about the Diocese of Savannah. And then I went on MapQuest to see how far of a drive it was to, five hours to get up there. It's about five and a half from right. St. Petersburg, but certainly manageable and, and a lot less than I thought it was going to be. Sure. Has he decided yet on a homilist and, and who will actually be doing the consecration and so on? I think the, uh, well, at a, a bishop's ordination, you actually right. have uh, three bishops that are what they call principal consecrators. Okay. Uh, you have the main celebrant, who I believe is going to be Archbishop Hartmeyer from Atlanta, who was the former bishop of Savannah and now serves as the provincial archbishop for Savannah. I think he'll be the principal. I, I'm thinking my brother is going to ask me to, to be one of the co-consecrating bishops, and I'm not sure who he's going to ask to be the third one. But a lot of those details with the liturgies and who's going to do what are things he's just starting to work on. And I know he'll be traveling up to Savannah again for a few days to uh, work on some details there with the the committee that's working on it at that end. His ordination is not going to be until September 23rd, so he does have a little bit of time to get all those things in place. Also in the Diocese of St. Petersburg, since we talked, I remember, I think we recorded like June 9th or somewhere in there, and I asked you, as just a sort of a throwaway question at the end, does the, does the bishop know before the 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 uh the ask for the the per, the prospect to accept i asked you that question you already knew that monsignor toops was going to be named a bishop 
<laughs> well, and, if, and you didn't let on at all. Well, if I did, John, of course, I wouldn't have been able to no, say no, anything. I know, I know. That's what was the beauty of it. You knew, and you didn't let on at all. Yeah, there's something called the pontifical secret, which is what you're placed under when you're given that information, meaning that it's really a matter of conscience, that you're not able to reveal to anybody the information that you've received. And if you do, if you violate that, that there could be canonical penalties put upon you. In the case of Bishop-elect Toops, uh, I did find out, again, it was the same day that he found out from the nuncio, because of Bishop-elect Toops being a priest of our diocese, usually his bishop would be informed that he's been appointed a bishop, and so that was me. And again, I think it was a a blessing for for Bishop-elect Toops, because he didn't really have anybody else he could talk to at that time. So we we talked a, a number of times after that, and he was able to ask some questions, I was able to give him some practical advice and and I think just some spiritual support and to let him know how very proud that I am as his bishop and we are as his diocese. Well, you know, looking back hindsight always being 2020 what it is, I had done an interview with him about the situation at the seminary and how things were progressing and how the the students, the seminarians had been uh, coping with everything. He already had been named he didn't let on at all either. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's. Uh, I, I can attest that you know when you receive the news, uh, as I did back in 2012, that you know you're appointed a bishop. It's a very emotional time, and um, you know you you have to process that and just be very careful to be able to keep that information, to keep that that pontifical secret. The reason for the secret is that it's the privilege, really, of the Holy Father to make that announcement. It's not for us to do that. And so we want to make sure that the Holy Father is, is the one who makes the announcement, and, and so we don't share it beforehand. And that's usually done via press release, telegram, that kind of thing? It is. The The announcements of new bishops are made at noon, so that would be noon Rome time. So it usually would be about 6 a.m. here on the East Coast. And uh, bishops aren't named every day, and certainly not here in the United States, but that's when it happens, and it's published by Vatican News, it's published in the Daily Bulletin from the Vatican, and then, of course, uh, as you can imagine, John, once the news breaks, it doesn't take long for it to get out. And God bless the communication directors and those in that office that have to scramble to get the, because there's usually a press conference that day. Yeah, they and they may have had a little bit of advance notice, okay. maybe like the night before, so they could set things up for the following day, because the announcement was made at, at 6 a.m., and the press conference in Savannah for my brother was at 10. So I think right. they had to have a little bit of advance notice yeah. on that. Yeah, that's exciting news. Going back to Bishop-elect Toops, again, will you be able to make that trip? I certainly hope so. I do have my reservations to fly out to Texas. That one is going to be, I believe, August 21st. And I'm hoping to be able to go. Of course, Texas is also somewhat of a hot spot right now sure. for the virus. Right. And I haven't been on an airplane for several months. So um, I'm hoping to. I'm planning on it. But again, things change almost on a daily or weekly basis. And so I'm, I'm just waiting to make a final decision. We've got ordinations here in our diocese August 15th, and typically the rector of the seminary will come and announce that these candidates are worthy. That would be Monsignor Toops, now Bishop-elect Toops. Will he be here for that, that announcement? 
Well, we, we spoke about that, and I, I certainly invited him to, him to be present for the ordination since he knows the men that are being ordained, and he, I, he is planning on attending. So that'll be on the Saturday before his ordination, which will be later that following week. Right. But he will be there, but, but not as rector, because his term as rector ended uh, at the end of June. And effective July 1st, a new acting rector was named at the seminary, Father Alfredo Hernandez. You know him? I do. Um, he's always at the seminary whenever I travel down for the board of trustees meetings and have known him for many years. He's a fine priest and has been part of the seminary community there for many years. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, but Bishop-elect Toops planning on being at our ordination, and it'll be wonderful to have him there. And that ordination is, as we said, August 15th for <clears throat> Deacons Joshua Bertrand, Deacon Drew Woodkey, and Deacon Connor Penn. But it's going to have a different feel. Received a communication earlier this week. Really, unless you have an invitation, uh, direct family members and so forth, you'll have to watch live stream. So remember, we were supposed to ordain these three deacons priests back in May third week of May, which is usually our, our typical ordination date, but the decision to, to, to postpone the ordination till August was made, I think, in March or April at the height of this virus and pandemic at that time. Right. So the hope was that by August, mid-August, that things would be back to kind of normal and we could have a full cathedral and everything would be just like it usually is, very beautiful. Uh, it will still be a beautiful celebration, but we have had to limit the number of people who are going to be there. So each of the candidates for ordination will be given a certain number of tickets for family and close friends. We've invited our priests to attend, although I, I think some of them may choose not to, but just for various reasons. Uh, we've asked our deacons if they would participate by live stream, again, because we just have a fixed number sure. of people that we can accommodate in the cathedral, and that's, that's only about 400. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty small number when you consider family, friends, uh, visitors from out of state, our priests, the servers, uh, all these other individuals that need to be there to make it a great celebration. Sure. That will be live stream. You can go to dosp.org or go to their Facebook page. Uh, Spirit FM will also be broadcasting that uh, ceremony live on August 15th at 11 a.m. You know, as we alluded to, we're still going through the whole COVID process. There's a lot of financial implications that go into that. And uh, recently, a report came out that the Catholic Church received over a billion dollars in aid across our country, and it created a bit of a, a social media firestorm. A lot of people don't understand why the church gets this kind of government funding. As the local bishop and as a uh, someone on the financial, as the treasurer of the USCCB, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I'd be happy to. Because when you see a number like a, a billion dollars or more, it's kind of an eye-catching number. It's not number. going to St. Mary's <laughs> Tampa, at and, least that uh, number. And, and that would be true because the press would consider the Catholic Church to be one, which we are in faith, of course. But each of our entities, whether they be parishes or dioceses or schools, are, are, are a separate entity. They have their own identification number. And so for purposes of uh, the a payroll protection program, each one applied separately. So it wasn't a collective application. So each one applied for the loans as they were able to do. And most of them that applied, I think, were, were granted. What we have to remember is that our churches are also employers. 
And so we have staff members, uh, both part-time and full-time, who we honestly want to try to help and to take care of. Nobody wants to lay anyone off or to have to furlough them because they have family obligations and financial commitments. So we did take advantage of that program, again, as we were legally able to do and given the the opportunity to do. And we use that money to keep our people working, to keep them employed. And uh, we remain committed to that. As a an entity within the diocese, Spirit of Fem is one of those that has a separate entity number. And I can tell you, when I look at my budget, people say, oh, the church doesn't pay taxes. Well, I can tell you on my budget sheet, there's a line item that says payroll tax. So, in fact, the church does, as an employer, we do pay taxes. We, we sure do. As you said, payroll tax, you know, is, is one of the things. But the other misconception is that the church has so much money, you know, because they see our churches, they see, you know, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome and the Vatican Museums and all the, you know, those assets. Well, those are beautiful things, but they're not liquid assets, you know. They're places of worship, they're art, they're statues, those type of things. You know, our churches basically, like many families do, kind of struggle to make ends meet. And, and so we also have to consider that when we look at the ways that we can continue to provide for our employees and to keep them working. Now, with the, the PPP, as you said, that has strings attached to it. It can't just be used for programs necessarily or to get a new radio station van that's not what that's for is it no it's not not the payroll protection program uh, and and certainly there was guidelines with how much of that money needed to be used to keep people working right and uh, each of our parishes our schools Catholic charities the diocese we were all aware of that and have satisfied those requirements so you can say then that this money, because this was all over social media, is not going to go to pay premiums or to pay attorney fees or individuals that may have been in a scandalous situation in the past. I, John, 100%. I can assure our listeners and and everyone that uh, the money is being used as it was intended to. It's not being used for settlements, for abuse cases, and for other purposes not related to PPP. So um, I, I can say that with, with certainty. With this, there's been a lot of anger, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of mistrust, a lot of just um, people frustrated because of the virus in their own lives. We have seen statues that have been damaged, desecrated. In fact, uh, about a week or so ago, I saw where a, a young man drove a car right into a church and tried to burn it down up up in Ocala, I believe it was. There's a spirit out there that is just angry and causing this upheaval. And the Diocese of St. Petersburg recognizes that, and we're now offering a rosary every Thursday at the cathedral. That's correct. Yeah, you're right, John. There is a lot of anger today, which is manifesting itself in violence and destruction, which is really unfortunate. And and some of that, as you mentioned, has been leveled against the church, whether it be, you know, the statues out in California of St. Junipero Serra, which we talked about on our last program, you know, churches being vandalized and damaged. You mentioned the church uh, Queen of Peace in Ocala, that's in the Diocese of Orlando, where they had a fire, as you said, when somebody drove into the lobby or the the vestibule of the church and set it on fire. You know, Mission Church, I saw out in California, one of the Mission Churches was burned. 
Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of anger out there. I think it's misplaced in so many ways. And I understand people are frustrated, but I also hope they understand that damaging people's property, damaging statues and churches, that doesn't solve the problem. I understand it's an expression of their anger and frustration, but there have to be other ways that we can address those concerns that people might have. So we are going to begin a series of praying the rosary at our cathedral. It'll start this week, and we will pray each time for peace, for healing, for an end to the COVID pandemic. So many things we have to pray for, John, at this time. And uh, the rosary, as uh, you know, and as our listeners know, is is a very powerful prayer. And so that's why we're choosing to pray that prayer during this time. And you can follow that again on live stream if you'd like to pray along. That will be for the next four weeks through, I think, middle of August, I believe it is. And you know, you can always continue to pray with Spirit FM, and and uh, the diocese has a website, Courageously Praying. Uh, you can just hashtag that, and you you can see uh, prayer intentions. You can also participate in that regard. Really, we need the Holy Spirit working in us. And I was doing some reflection the other day about the the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And in this certain time, one of the gifts is wisdom. Another one is understanding. Can you talk about the the how do we receive these gifts of the Holy Spirit in order that we can grow better in our faith? Yeah, so of course we receive them in um, the sacraments, specifically uh, confirmation. When we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there are seven as you mentioned, but besides receiving them in the sacrament, we can also pray for an increase in those gifts in our life. So that can become part of our daily prayer. I know I ask God to grant me wisdom and understanding and and right judgment and all those different gifts on almost on a daily basis in my vocation as a bishop. So they are given to us in a very special way in the sacrament, but also there are things that we can pray for in our lives as well. One of the big ones in there for me at this time is the gift of understanding. And many of us, especially you see on social media, Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a feel for this topic or that topic. And oftentimes I find myself, well, I have to discern what is, what's the right number. For example, is the, is the state giving us the right number on the COVID thing? And should I be wearing a mask or not? And I think that's where people are frustrated. I need the wisdom of, to know what is right and what is wrong when it comes to that kind of thing. And maybe it's just staying off social media altogether. (laughs) Well, it's important to be able to discern the difference between fact and opinion. And very often today, because of the talk shows that are on, we'll hear something and just assume that it's true, when in reality it may not be based on fact. It might be somebody's opinion. And so that does take uh, wisdom and it takes discernment and understanding to, to be able to discern those things. I would say, John, it's always uh, important to remain rooted in our faith and in God. But how much more so now with so many things going on around us do we need God's guidance and his spirit in our life to keep us on the right path? Because if, if we don't, we can fall into despair, we can have anxiety, we can become depressed, we can do things as we see people doing to, to damage property and, and things of that nature. So important to stay connected to our faith, and the best way to do that is through our daily prayer by attending Mass, either in person or 
live stream if you're still comfortable doing that, and of course receiving the sacraments of our faith. And by living out those those gifts of the Holy Spirit, those they produce great fruits, patience, love, joy, and so forth. And those are things that are more of the feeling. The, the goodness that, that we can experience. Well, for somebody who is living in the Spirit or with the, the gifts of the Spirit, that's the fruit. You know, that's, the, those, that's how we should live our lives. That's what others should see in us are, the, are those fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are given to us by God. As we close our program today, would you lead us in a prayer for wise discernment and so that we can go out and, and share those fruits that God has given us? Of course. Let us pray. God, our Father, as we continue to experience difficult and challenging times in our country and in our world, we reach out to you. We cry out to you for your help, for your spirit, to lead us and to guide us on the path that you would have us follow, a path that leads to peace, a path that leads to healing, and a path that always leads to doing your will in our lives. And we ask all of these things through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more with Bishop Parks, including past programs, his social media accounts, and ways to subscribe to this podcast, visit dosp.org bishop. A View from the Top is a production of Spirit FM 90.5 and the Communications Office of the Catholic Diocese of St. Petersburg. A View from the Top is made possible by the annual Pastoral Appeal and listeners like you. Thank you for your support.